good morning, everybody. Um, I was told that if you were looking for coffee this morning, it is here. It just arrived, but it's scolding hot. You wouldn't even like it now. Uh, you wouldn't really even like it now at all. But uh, this is, we're going to have a quick morning, and then there's coffee afterwards. So uh, a little pick-me-up on the way up if this, this brings you down. Uh, well, this morning, I want to address a question that maybe, uh, maybe has been super relevant to you this week. Maybe it's just something that's been um, kind of this ongoing thing that maybe there's different seasons that make you lean into this question more than others, possibly correlated with how well you're doing in life or how well uh, you think you're making decisions and being responsible. It's this question of how good do I have to be to be a good person? It's weird in in society. There's this, oh, that's they're They're good people. This is a good person. My neighbor's a good person. My teacher's a good person. Or that dude's just lost it. He's gone. He's a jerk. He's evil. He's terrible. We don't like talking about that, but we like talking about the good person. So how, who defines that? How good do you have to be to be a good person? And and I think that's kind of weird because I've had people say about me that I'm a good person. I was like, wait, who? Wait, what? Because there's different definitions of that. For instance, if, if you're speeding down the road, let's say you're going... 10 miles over, let's, let's just say you're going 9 miles over the speed limit and the cop pulls you over and gives you a ticket. Do you feel like you're a bad person? No, you feel like that cop was having a bad day. He, he, he just wanted to talk to you because you're a good person and you were, you, know, you were getting close to doing something wrong, but you're a good person. That's not, that's not a big deal. That's not an infractor. You know, let's say you're going 20 miles over the speed limit. Then you get a ticket. You know at that point, okay, that wasn't good. That, that was on me. That was on me. But t- nine miles, come on. I'm still a good person. That's not me. What about a, a parking ticket? You know, if there's something a little bit different. I, I think when you're driving, it's 10 to 15 miles an hour. You're still in that good person kind of safe zone. But when it comes to parking ticket, if, if your meter expires and you're within like five minutes, come on. It's five minutes. It's don't write the ticket. It's I'm here. I'm going to move it. I'm still in the good person zone. What is that about? You know, maybe if it's 15 minutes late, okay, I get it. But we all have this kind of good person, bad person. What does it take? What, what's that bottom line for being a good person? And, and let, me, let me lean into this a little bit more. Sometimes when you see people around you doing things that would cause you to put them in the bad person, whatever category that is, you feel better about yourself. And maybe you wouldn't even say that's a bad person. Maybe you would say they're a good person, but I'm a better person. Maybe you're like, compared to this group of people, I'm a good person. You know, maybe not compared to them, but compared to them, I'm a good person. And when you do that, when you keep putting yourself in this category of I'm a good person, the weight of other people not being as good of you is, is terrible. It's terribly heavy to carry this around thinking, I'm a good person, these people are not, I'm a good person, Everyone else is not, or these particular people are not. And what happens over time is when we spend time with people like that, you realize, like, okay, you think you're a good person, but you're miserable because you think you're better than all these other people. And you want to do something about it. You're so fed up with all these other people, yet you're a good person, yet it looks like they're having a good time and they're living carefree, and you're the one that's stressed out. And honestly, if I want to hang out with someone, I would say they're good people. You're kind of not good people right now. This whole thing of what does it take? 
how good do you have to be to be a good person is a really difficult conversation to have. And it's not a very fruitful conversation to have. However, we're going to look at, we're on part three this morning of the Sermon on the Mount, which is perhaps the most famous message that Jesus ever gave. And he's with his disciples and he walks up on the hill and he sits down and he's there to teach his disciples. Now, there are some other crowds who have been following, who are listening, but he's talking to his disciples. And I think he actually addresses this question. So this morning, we're going to cover a lot of text. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, 17 through the end of chapter 5, 48. We're going to run through it quickly and look at what Jesus has to say about this. How good do you have to be to be in that category of good person? And, and we can look at it objectively, but if we're honest, what's the answer to that question? Jesus is calling out the top of the top. He's saying, I can't even say it. I, I want to like, you know, front the 49ers, but I can't even say that's what the good football necessarily is. But Jesus was calling out like, this is it. And so they can see it, they can grasp it, they can picture what it looks like. It's something to compare it to. And so everyone's kind of feeling like, okay, we're tracking, we're connecting. Let's see what he has to say about this. How good do you have to be a good person? Jesus 
jumps in and he says, You have heard that our ancestors, our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. And they're like, yeah, of course, we've heard that. And we're not going to murder, so keep on going. We're good. We're good people at this point. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. He keeps going. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. He expands on this and keeps going. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. And in today's, I mean, this is where like, we're raising hands like, wait, what, Jesus, hold on. I, I've got a lot of questions. I've got a lot of what ifs because I'm trying to figure out Am I, are you, I'm good people, like, where, what are you doing? But he's just rolling. He's just talking. He keeps going. You've also heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vow you made to the Lord. But I say do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. How good do you have to be to be a good person? Jesus just it, it, it appears that Jesus just absolutely rose the standards through the roof. Why did Jesus raise the standards? And he didn't do like, he didn't say, hey, we want you to have a new PR. As, as good as you're doing, we want you just to be a little bit further. We want you to just be a little bit faster, a little bit better, a little bit cleaner. We didn't say, uh, he didn't say like, I want you to be like this person. He raised it so far that, okay, past, in the very first one, he talks about even being angry with somebody disqualifies you why did he raise these standards so high so far that each and every person who was sitting there who was thinking maybe I'm I'm probably a good person can't have an answer to that why did he do that and I want us this morning to, as, as we continue on as we continue to look at this passage I want us to in our minds make a little mental adjustment seeing that Jesus didn't actually raise the standards Yet he's just exposing our heart. We operate in such a way that we go look at the end result. And we look at what is the, what is the, what is the police officer actually write on the ticket? And we're holding our breath because we're thinking like, hopefully he only saw me going, you know, 76, 77. But we know what we were really doing. We know what is the actual, what is it actually, what was recorded? What was the outcome? After I applied all the filters, what did it look like to you? Again, Jesus is cutting right through all of that stuff, those other layers that we feel, that we weigh, that we try to manipulate, that we try to make it look a different way, and he's going straight to the heart on these things. And that's what he's calling out. And the standard on the outside isn't necessarily 
the inside isn't different, but he's just looking past the outside and going to the heart, the inside, what causes those things. And so ultimately, Jesus is looking at these six different things and addressing these six different things that you and I probably, at least I would hope, would be a set or a criteria that we would have had an opinion of how we're doing on are we good people scale. And he turns it over because he goes to the heart of us and he shows us what he's actually looking for, what true righteousness actually is. Do you remember what the purpose of the law was? The law was to reveal that we're actually not as good as we thought. The, the, the law is given to us to reveal how far we are, how unrighteous we are, how corrupt we are. Because we like to just go to the end result and be like, it really wasn't that bad. But Jesus is cutting right through. So let's go head on. He's talked about murder. You guys know the commandment says, thou shalt not murder, right? Everyone knows that. And everyone has at some point in their life probably decided, I'm good people, I'm never going to murder. Like that's not even a temptation for me right now. We've all had those times where there's a higher temptation. But generally speaking, that's not like a temptation. We're kind of good with that. We're like, hey, I'm good people, I'm not going to murder. But Jesus says, Anyone who even calls somebody an idiot, who has anger towards a brother, it's the, it's the same thing. That's the heart that leads to murder. He goes on to say in the passage, if you have something against a brother, or if a brother has something against you, as, as far as fellow believer, well, if you're in a worship service, if you're presenting an offering, if you're making a sacrifice, prevent, presenting an offering to God, he says, abandon it there and go solve your issue with your brother. Because that is so unrighteous, that actually disqualifies you. That's actually the priority over this so-called sacrifice. He elevates it. Adultery. Most people, I can't say all people, most people have decided, I am not going to participate in adultery in my life. Most people have been so wounded, affected, hurt because of adultery around them in their life that they have so desired and been very firm that I will never do that or allow that because I have experienced the pain of adultery that I won't even get there yet Jesus says if you even look upon a woman with a lustful thought you have committed adultery. And you're like, whoa, whoa, no, I haven't. I have not. I have not. I'm still here. Like, go, go check the camera. I have not. I am clean. And he's saying, dude, you keep doing that. You keep going back to that. And I am saying your heart, in your heart, you've already committed adultery with this person. When it comes to divorce, that's almost the purpose of a wedding ceremony, right? To get up publicly and say, I will not divorce this person. For, for my life, I am fully in. We say we will not divorce this person. Well, I mean, of course, unless things get rough or things get out of control or they change or I change or we fall out of love or something like that. And Jesus says, hey, there are severe consequences to that. If, if, if you divorce your wife and there's not unfaithfulness, you're causing her to commit adultery. It's like, no, I'm not. Jesus said, no, no, no. Okay, let's, let's not look at what you're thinking. Let's go back to the heart of it. 
you're checking out, you're, 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 you're disengaged, you're, you're allowing her to go do that. Or if you remarry, you're participating in this adultery. It's like, no, I am not. And Jesus is saying, go back to the heart. This is what is happening. He talks about keeping his vows, which is kind of interesting. He says, don't swear by this. Don't say, swear by my kingdom. Don't do this. And we're like, well, we're kind of taught, like, if you're serious, you'll put something on it. Like, yeah, I'll do that. Like, no, you're not going to do it. No, I will do it. You know, bet. Okay, I'll do whatever, you know. I'll put this, and then you start talking about, like, your grandma and stuff. You're like, whoa, whoa, that's serious. <laughs> and we think that's extra credit. We think that's extra credibility. We think that's more, okay, now I will actually do it because now I've associated, brought other things to it. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't set yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to lie to people. Don't lie to people. Don't make that complicated. Simply make your yes, yes, and your no, no, and that's it. Beyond that, beyond that, you're, you're not righteous. Talks about revenge. It's starting to get difficult. Some of that stuff is like, uh, it's starting to get difficult. He talks about revenge. He talks about an eye for an eye. He talks about karma. What goes around comes around. This is actually the law that was enforced in the court of law. If someone took something from you, they have to pay it back. And that makes sense. Most people can sign up for that. As long as there's mutual agreement, you got it. You know, they hit my car, they pay for it. Maybe a little extra for the inconvenience. And Jesus goes on to give multiple examples. If somebody asks you for something, you give them their shirt also. If, if, you're, if you're asked to carry someone's stuff one mile, go an extra mile. If somebody hits you in the face, turn the other cheek. Like, this is so ridiculous that, like, revenge isn't something that we even look at as a good person or bad person. The question is, did they deserve it? <laughs> well, obviously they deserved it. Well, you are a good people. You would have been a bad people if you let them get away with it. <laughs> you are a good person. Oh, you gave them a lecture too? Good. Maybe they'll learn. You taught them a lesson, you saint. You're a good person. Jesus says something that does not sit well with me. They did what to you? Turn the other cheek. They want what for you, from you? Yeah, give them something else also. Jesus is going to the heart, and he is shining light on the extravagant gap between what is expected and what we try to manipulate and, and, and make it seem like we're good people. And lastly, and this is hard. This is downright difficult. I had multiple conversations with people this week saying, I don't know why this isn't talked about. Very often. I don't know why I haven't heard more people just leaving the Christian faith because of this. This is downright difficult and outside, outside of faith in Christ, faith in an eternal God. This doesn't make sense to the point where it almost puts it in, in the loony category because this does not make sense to us. This actually would make you seem like an unsafe, not good people. Where Jesus talks about, you've heard it written, love your neighbors, hate your enemies. And we've all agreed on even that. Let's love our neighbors so much. Let's gang up and let's help each other take care of our enemies. If your neighbor has an enemy, we'll love them and help them take care of that. But Jesus elevates this to a point which in my personal comfort level is, out, is not okay. And he says, no, actually love your enemies. At which point I'm like raising my hand and be like, okay, you think I'm talking about people like 
people who are good people. And I'm telling you, these are not good people. These are bad, bad people. These are people who came at me and they didn't just damage something of mine or hurt me. They did it with malice. There was a malevolentness in the, They're bad people. And Jesus says, well, you should love them. There's such a disconnect here. It looks like he completely raised the bar beyond belief that makes it impossible that if we're in today's society, we're hearing this thing, we're logging off. We're not following this guy anymore. We're getting up and leaving. Where if he's not addressing our question, we're saying he's not good people. He's crazy. He's unsafe. And Jesus, this is all part of his sermon. This is all part of what he's teaching. And this is the answer, which we're going to get to in just a second. But this is our desire as a church. At Journey, we have five kind of values that drive our decisions. One of them is tough, especially in light of this. And, and it's, the, it's, it's our value of progress. When we say we won't justify circumstances or make excuses, instead we will choose to make progress. And the truth is when we bump up against someone who's not good people or who's a little bit whatever, it's easy for us to draw the line and justify and say this is why. This is why I don't do this. This is why I don't do this. Or this is why I do do this. Because I think I can control this. Oh, you don't think I should watch that movie because you think it will be a temptation. Oh, you think I'm bad people. Let me just, let me help you out. I'm actually good people. I can manage that stuff. I can do those things. I'm good people. But instead, we want to together. We want to hold each other accountable. We want to help each other decide. We're not going to justify certain situations. We're going to make progress. We're going to aim for what Jesus is saying is good people. We want to meet that elevated, what he says is good people. And I want to look back at how we started this. Because so many of these things seem petty, seem ridiculous, seem like he's the one pushing it. That we are actually better people than he's giving us credit for. But Jesus says, so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, I was only going six miles over the speed limit. Are you kidding me? I only, I only went there to watch the movie. I'm not going to go do those things. I'm just going to click this link. I'm not even like, I'm, you think I'm going through past the paywall. I'm just watching the free stuff. It's pretty, most of it's censored. I'm just going to read what other people are commenting, and I'm going to try to help them be less bad people and be more good people. I'm not, I know I'm a little bit on the, on the anger side, but really I'm doing it because I care about them. I'm trying to help them. Jesus says this is not okay, but anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom. If you ignore the least of these, that's bad news that does not make you good people even if you can justify it which brings us to the abc prayer which is a reminder that we our, our relationship with our father who created us is severed not because he's a bad father but because we are unrighteous we are corrupt many of us have not committed murder i would say most of us I would, I'd, okay, let's not even go there. Uh, adultery. Not everyone here has probably committed adultery. Not everyone here has had a divorce. 
Not everyone here has to feel like they have to elevate their word and back it by something. A lot of us have found ourselves in court for one way or another, and sometimes we've been the, the victim on some things. And we all know what good people, bad people, but we also justify so much of our life. There are so many areas of my life where I claim technicalities because they're socially acceptable. There are some apps that I have on my phone. There are probably some apps that you have on your phone that you justify having them for some reason, some helpful reason. And they probably actually spur on some of these sinful things that Jesus talks about. You know, Jesus goes in when he talks about the adultery, he talks about lust, and he, this is where it gets weird. He starts talking about like if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, you're better with just one eye. Even if it's your good eye, pluck it out. Then he goes starts about your hand, and even if it's your good hand, get rid of it. It's better to not be have sin in front of God than to have a, an arm and sin or an eye and sin. And we kind of think that's ridiculous. We're not going to do that. And then we carry that and we justify having all these things. This is why I have this account. This is why I have this separate email account. This is why I go onto this website. This is why I have to watch the news. This is why I have to go back to that person again. This is why I have to post this about that person. And we need to admit in front of Jesus that we've been harboring a lot of these technicalities, a lot of these least of these sins, thinking that we're actually good people and if he understood, we were only going six miles under the speed limit and that's socially or over the speed limit, that's socially acceptable, that's actually safer than not. Jesus being like, what are you you're, you're, you're driving thinking you know best than everybody, that it's all about you that if cars are in your way, that's their problem, not your problem. That the only reason it's unsafe is because other people on the freeway are going the speed limit and that's their fault. Jesus is going straight back to the heart issue on all these things. Why is the speed limit? Why is all these things there? Because we know how you are. You're so prideful. You think that you can do whatever you want because you're good people. And Jesus is shining light on all these things and reminding them, reminding us. And we have the... We have the privilege... I'm going to go all the way back here to look at this. We have the privilege of having Jesus here with us. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's will disappear, of God's law will disappear until the purpose is achieved. He's not coming to abolish or to fulfill the laws, to move it out of the side, to over the side. He's coming to fulfill that, to make it right in you. The law is not broken. We are broken. The law is just, it's to reveal how broken we are and we spend our life trying to blame technicalities where the law is broken. Blame technicalities how other people are jacked up. And Jesus is saying in this, and maybe, is it hyperbole? Is he being a little whatever? He's doing whatever he says. The problem is your heart. 
And that is why I have come to forgive you, to fulfill that in you, to make you righteous in front of the Father. Because you cannot do it by yourself and you think you're doing pretty good, yet you're not. You're not even close. And we have the privilege of coming in front of him. And Jesus, that's what he's here for. And we have the privilege of repenting of this, to admit, to acknowledge how much energy do we put trying to justify these technicalities, whether it's on a tax thing, whether it's in a relationship, whether it has to do with your, your, your search browser history or conversations or why you're buying that or why you're on that newsfeed or why you're doing any of that stuff. We waste so much energy trying to cover up these technicalities and Jesus is not fooled by them. He sees straight through them and we have the privilege of admitting those, acknowledging those, bringing those into light Believing that he came to save those, to fulfill that within us, to pay the price on our behalf, to redeem us to our Father. We have the privilege of repenting, of admitting those, believing that he did that for us, that he can make it new in us, and he gives us the choice then to follow him. And this is, this is what I look at. I am exhausted a lot of the time. Because I'm good people and I'm trying to hold up that good people image. Because I've got so many justifications of why I've done good people stuff. And trying to make sure I'm making the next good people decision. And why I'm trying to be as good as this and good as this and look at this and carry this and do this. And Jesus is here to say, nope, not even close, Tim. Not even close. Oh, all except one day. Okay, that's not close. That's not good. That's one week. Out of how many years? Yeah, you're, you're screwed up big time. I am here to let you give me that. Lay it down, surrender, and I will completely forgive you and give you complete freedom to walk and to follow me, which is a gift to be able to walk in his grace. And some of those things we will trust him with and other of those things we choose to harbor and say, God, I don't need you to do that because I'm good people. I got this. And we completely miss this message of what Jesus is saying. No, we are not. We are so far off. Do not fool yourself again and walk with that and be a frustrated, quote-unquote, good people. Instead, we have the privilege of giving that to him, receiving that forgiveness, and choosing to follow him. The big challenge this morning is to admit a least of these commandments. Maybe it's a big thing, but probably it's a least of these things. It's a technicality. It's a, it's, 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 it's a soft porn thing. It's, a, it's just a music video thing. It's a we're just flirting kind of a thing. It's, a, it's only a few dollars kind of thing. It's a they deserved it kind of a thing. It's a, I, I can't say anything more than he's an idiot kind of thing. And we are the ones that are dragging that around. We are the ones that are carrying that. Jesus is trying to get our attention and take that from us. This week, I'm going to do this. I plead and I beg you to take advantage of this opportunity Jesus gives us for you to relieve yourself of some of those things. Write them on paper. Surrender them to Jesus. And have faith that he will forgive you. He has forgiven you. So then we can walk with him. And that ABC model we talk about is the model how we do admit believe choose and commit 
I encourage you guys, we continue to read our 60-day challenge, and we continue to walk through the Sermon on the Mount. To understand what Jesus was saying. You have heard, but I say. 